Hello. Now, in this episode, I actually have a special guest joining me to talk about concrete as a flooring choice in your new home or renovation. So whether you're considering polished concrete, burnished concrete or something else, this guest has a wealth of industry knowledge and advice to share about how to get it right if you're choosing concrete as your flooring. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode. I can't wait to introduce Jess Osborne to you. So Jess is the owner of Die Grind New South Wales and she also owns Green Cleaning Supplies Business, OCS Online Cleaning Supplies. Now Jess has worked on the tools herself to create polished concrete finishes so she totally understands all of the processes involved. And recently after years of using different sealers and cleaning products she also decided to start a cleaning supply network called OCS Online Cleaning Supplies. And that'll actually service clients' needs whilst also making it easy to go green. Diagrind as a company has over 20 years experience in the diamond and concrete flooring industry and as a team they use the best equipment, diamonds and chemicals available. Diagrind is actually a family business and so this means that you're working with a team that offers a wealth of knowledge and experience and their team is located in several locations so Tasmania, Sydney, Newcastle, Central Coast New South Wales, Maryborough, Wide Bay Queensland, Cairns, Far North Queensland as well and each team can travel as well. Now Diagrind won the award for 
for Concrete Surfaces Residential New Build Best Floor in 2017. And they specialise in providing finishes for commercial flooring, retail flooring, architectural design polished concrete flooring, terrazzo flooring and floor preparation. Polished concrete can be complicated and it can be completed so many uh, ways and different contractors will recommend different methods. And some of these methods are they're exactly the same, they just have different names and so this can be really confusing for you as the homeowner. Diagrind, they actually take the time to explain what everything is and the pros and cons of each option as it relates to your project and they really like to work with you from beginning so that everything gets right, you know, you get everything right at the planning stage. Now when I was looking for someone that I could talk to about concrete floors, I found Diagrind online and I loved that they had loads of helpful information to educate people about how to achieve great results in their concrete floors. And so when I connected with Jess, you know, she was this fountain of knowledge. She sh- and she really, uh, it, I was amazed because she shared with me that she has huge frustrations that people, be it homeowners or builders or contractors, that they don't get in touch with them sooner. Because what happens is they're then offering getting the info that they need far too late and they can't get the floor that they really want. So if you're considering a concrete floor, be it that you're doing a polished concrete floor or another finish, we're going to dive into some amazing information in this interview. Jess is seriously so knowledgeable and super generous about this topic and she's great at explaining it in a really easy to understand way. Jess was actually kind enough to do this interview with me at the start of a holiday break and so you'll hear one of her little munchkins in the background who actually ended up falling asleep while Jess and I were talking away. I do hope that you enjoy this episode and that you learn a lot about how to achieve a great polished concrete finish if that's what you're looking to do in your renovation or building project. So let's listen now. Well, Jess, it's fantastic to have you here. I'm really excited to be talking with you about this information because you're a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, when it comes to thinking about concrete floors and getting it right. Uh, in any type of project, but particularly in residential homes. Uh, your company, Diagrind, has been operating for a long time now as a business, but you personally come from a pharmaceutical background, which I was really surprised to find when I was doing my research. So how have you ha- found this process? Because I know you've been on the tools, you know, intimately how this product, you know, how, how you need to work with with concrete and to get the best results. How have you found the process of learning about concrete and all that it entails? To be honest, not that hard. It's just about asking the questions and testing it out um, so I'm lucky my husband and the family we work with have a lot of experience so when I don't know an answer I can ask them um, but also coming from a pharmaceutical background I'm a nerd so I like reading technical data sheets I like reading MSDSs so when we're looking at new products and chemicals I tend to go and do the deep research and then give it to the boys to test it out so then I can tell them the properties and then they can tell me if it does what I've hoped it does. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And MSDSs are those material safety data sheets, which are always the very finely font-sized printed sheets that are actually really necessary to read, but they are, for people who, who aren't used to reading them, they can be mind-numbingly difficult. But I can imagine with your pharmaceutical background, it would be, like, <laughs> it would be right up your alley. <laughs> well, I, can, I can skim over them because I know what I do need to read and what I don't need to read but these days most products make really good technical data sheets or product data sheets depending on which part of the world you're getting it from um, and that gives you most of your application um, sort of resources a lot of the history and the information you sort of need to know 
the MSDS just gives you the, the chemical data. So I know the hazards of it and those sorts of things. So I can make sure it, it fits in with what we want it to do. Awesome. Now, can we talk about the two main types of polished concrete floors? So I'm just going to read through this so that I make sure I get all the terminology right. So one type is the diamond grind, which is what diagrind does. And it's also known as a pyrofloor, a hyperfloor, superfloor, or a natural polish. Then the other type is a grind and seal, which is also known as traditional polished concrete. So can you just talk through what the main differences are between those types and how people go about making a decision about which one's going to be most suitable for them? Yeah, it's a really good question because this is a question I discuss with a lot of uh, new clients. So they use similar methods, but then they're finished completely differently. So traditional polished concrete was what we had to always do for a long time. And basically that's designed for lesser quality concrete. Um, And what it is, is we grind it using the same methods to expose the aggregate, but then we finish the process a lot earlier and the gloss level you get is achieved with applying a sealer. So whether that's a water-based sealer, uh, an epoxy or a polyurethane sealer, all of your gloss and your sealing is achieved by applying the sealer. Um, This is generally perfect for low budget or for the lower quality concrete because the sealers can hide the defects in the concrete which a natural polish can't. So then the first option, which we call a diamond grind, it's also known as mechanical polished concrete. Think of this like marble. So all of the polishing and the gloss is achieved through polishing with diamonds. So we're able to do a matte finish and that means we stop it earlier or you do a satin finish and we keep going or we go all the way to full gloss. All of the gloss is achieved through the polishing process and then a stain guard is placed on top. So I generally go over with clients the pros and cons to each and why you might choose one over the other. So the pro to a diamond polished concrete is to scratch it, you've literally got to gouge the concrete because you've you've achieved all the gloss in it. However, it is susceptible to acids. It is more susceptible to staining. So you've got to take a bit better care of it. Where the grind and seal it's got a topical sealer on it. So it's not as susceptible to staining and things like that. However, it's a bit more like a timber floor. You can scratch it because it has a sealer to scratch. So there's pros and cons and you have to weigh out which one's going to work in best for your situation. So we try and ask people questions of what they want and how they want their floor to act and then we'll give them a recommendation on what will work best for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And if uh, anyone can hear, Jess has got a little one in the background who's behaving very well, but you may occasionally hear a little peep of a voice. (laughs) She's a juggling (laughs) mum. Yes, that was another request for Peppa Pig. (laughs) Now, can we just go through some of those main things that you need to get right? Because obviously you were talking about low quality versus better quality in terms of that grind and seal versus the diamond grind. So obviously the the way that the concrete is actually poured, the type of concrete you use, all those kinds of things, um, all of those are going to come into play if you're choosing to then have this as an exposed finish as an interior floor or even an exterior floor in your, you know, any, in any project. So there's, you know, there's obviously the color of the concrete. Many homeowners don't realize that they can actually change the color of the base concrete itself with an oxide um, at the point of it actually being produced before it arrives on site. Uh, then there's the color of the aggregate. So the stones that get put into it, that can be changed. We've got the concrete strength, which I'd love you to talk a little bit more about because that's, I know, a big difference 
difference between the capacity of the floor to be polished in a specific way because the, obviously the, the concrete strength then impacts its hardness. We've got expansion joints. They're a big conversation when it comes to polished concrete floors, the pouring and the casting, and then the finish, um, the way that the surface is finished prior to the polishing. So that, that troweling, that power floating, all of that filling of holes and the actual execution of the, the finish to the slab. And then how you prevent cracking as the, um, the concrete cures and then its general movement over time. So some of that background information about how the concrete actually needs to be poured and finished in the first place, which is such a huge execution, like actually requires some serious talent to execute that really well. Um, how, how do you kind of talk through homeowners that process so that they know how to, I suppose, make sure they're working with the, going to deliver the best finish that they possibly can? The first thing we usually ask as a company is have they got their concrete yet? And if they don't, then we sometimes will suggest people we've worked with or if they do, we ask them, does their concrete have experience with polished concrete? And if they don't have experience, we ask that the concreter calls us and we'll give them tips and tricks on how to pour the best slab. Um, one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't think about is when you're pouring a concrete slab, traditionally as the concreter steps backwards, they just pull slurry in into their boot holes. Now, if they don't shovel fresh concrete into those boot holes, you'll get lovely little footprints left in your concrete because they've pushed the aggregate down and there's no way for us to bring it back up um, and things like not smoking whilst they're pouring a slab because the cigarettes float to the surface or cleaning their boots before they walk in if they've got a lot of debris such as sticks and leaves because again they float to the surface and as soon as we grind it we expose it so going through some of the other points so the concrete strength is probably one of the most important ones which will differentiate which type of polished concrete we go with uh, why diamond polished concrete needs 32 mpa concrete is because 32 mpa concrete has significantly more cement component in it and it's the cement component that reacts with the hardeners which allows us to diamond polish it so standard concrete in australia is between 20 to 25 mpa it can work, but it just doesn't work as well. And you're paying all this money for diamond polished concrete. We'd rather you get a perfect result, well, as perfect as you can with concrete. So that's why we request 32 MPA as a minimum for diamond polished concrete, where grind and seal standard concrete is fine. Uh, when it comes to the colour of concrete, there's two things that do affect it. So obviously, as you mentioned, you can put different oxides in, which will change the colour of the concrete, but also the actual colour of the aggregate changes the colour. So if you have your black basalt aggregate, you'll get a greyer concrete because of the fines in the aggregate alter the colour. Or if you have more browns aggregate, so your river pebbles and all sorts of different colour types of stones, every concrete plant has different aggregates. That will give you a creamier base. So if you if you choose the browner colour stones but want quite a grey concrete, then you'll have to put some oxide in it to get that colour. Otherwise, it'll go cream. So we always ask our, our clients to speak to their concreters and their concrete supplier to see if they have samples so that they can decide. We keep samples in our factory of what our local people supply. Um, but they're really important things that you need to decide before you even think about pouring a slab because once it's poured, we can't go back and change it. Once it's in, it's in. <laughs> Trust me, I have been asked that we don't like the colour of our stones. Can we change the colour of our stones? And I explain that when the slab was poured 20 years ago, that's when the decision needed to be made. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, concrete's very, very permanent, isn't it? <laughs> and it's very expensive to change it. Very, very expensive to change it. Um, as I, I touched a bit on the pouring and the casting of the concrete, so that's definitely about, you know, the tips and tricks about putting it in. We also talk to them about not pushing down on the all the tools as they go along because all of that is just pushes the aggregate down and if you push the aggregate down then that's more we have to grind to try and evenly expose it if you're going for a full aggregate exposure Um, so finishing the surface prior to polishing there's two distinct ways that you have to do it it's really going to depend on the type of finish that you have so if you're going for no aggregate exposure then in that situation we actually will ask the concreter to burnish it to black um, if you tell your concreter that, they'll know exactly what that means. And basically that is they power float it for a longer period of time and it really closes over the cream on the top and starts the process for us. What's power um, floating? And we, power floating is that opter machine that you see the concreters put on the slab once they're finished. So once they put the concrete in, then you'll see they'll go over with the trowel and trowel it all smooth and then they leave it for a little while. And then they come back and put on this, basically it looks like a fan with a handle on it and the fan's on the ground with these trowels on it and that power trowels it. Um, so with um, your full exposure or your partial exposure concrete, we ask for light power troweling because we don't want them to really make the, the cream or the very top super hard. But if you're going for full burnished concrete, then we ask them to burnish it to black, which hopefully every concreter understands what that means and we haven't found one that doesn't yet yeah it sounds like it's really important that you actually get somebody who knows how to finish the floor to have a conversation with the concreter to make sure that it's prepped exactly the right way because there is so many kind of steps in that process of laying a slab and even that little thing about you know if you are going to if if a concreter is walking through it with their boots that they do put another shovel over the top because I've seen that happen where you then get these weird patches that you can't really explain you know beyond knowing that it's where the boot was because all of a sudden the aggregate's just missing you know (laughs) I'm actually in my fact because where we are wasn't ever designed to be polished concrete. I have quite a few beautiful footprints, <laughs> so I'm able to visually show people that this is, footprint and this is what caused it. Uh, similarly, if you've got um, edges that we will be polishing that won't have walls on it, we ask concreters not tool to push it down because they like to make it really nice and pretty all around the edges. We ask that they don't do that because, again, all that pressure pushing down, all it does is push the aggregate down. And then once you push the aggregate down, then obviously we either have to keep grinding to try and evenly expose it or we get to a point where we can't go anymore and you'll have those patches where you'll see little to no aggregate in it, which if you're doing a hit and miss type finish, kind of doesn't matter because that's the look that you're going for anyway. But if you're doing full aggregate exposure, it can create an artifact in the concrete we can't fix. Now, if we can talk about the different kinds of finishes. So you've mentioned a few of them as we've gone. So the first one is the cream polish, which is also known as the burnished concrete. The second one is that partial stone exposure, which is the hit and miss or salt and pepper finish. Um, And then there's the full stone exposure. So if we're going to talk a little bit later about what might be available if you have an existing slab. But if you're creating these floors from scratch, you know, doing a new concrete floor, the burnished, I'm just going to read through this so that um, I get it right. The cream burnished concrete is where the surface is polished, but no stone is exposed. So you were talking about that earlier. And it's actually, I've seen it becoming a lot more um, readily used uh, in in homes uh, recently. It's actually been really nice to see because it does provide, obviously you don't get the kind of that textural look of 
of the aggregate, but you get that lovely, beautiful patina of the concrete, you know, colour and there's a little bit of variation across it. It's a really lovely, it's actually quite a warm finish given that it's a hard floor. How how do you, um, you know, what do people need to know obviously about if they wanted to have this burnish, you talked about, you know, giving advice to the concrete or is there anything particular about the burnished or the cream concrete that people need to be aware of? Very much so. Um, you have to really protect the floor, particularly in the beginning, um, because any staining or marks that occur prior to us polishing it stays. Wow. Because we're not removing any material, anything that's there stays. We can clean it, but any um, tannins that have leached through, anything like that, it all stays behind. We just can't pull that out because we're not grinding any material off the surface. We're literally only polishing what's there. So with this, it's really important that the concreter does get a good burnished finish across the top. Uh, sometimes we'll see jobs where they feather it a bit on the edge and it doesn't polish that up as well. And then consequently, we're not able to polish that up as well. Um, but the biggest one is staining. So if there's any marks and things left behind, we can't get rid of them because if for us to put the tools on it to get rid of it, we're going to start exposing aggregate and then we've defeated the purpose of having the burnished concrete. Um, the only other thing we come across a little bit with burnished concrete is it doesn't hide stains and marks as well as the full exposure floors because you've got this clean, flat, essentially uniform surface, you tend to be able to see imperfections in it more than what you do when you've got the the stone hiding it. So it's just to allow people to understand that you may see more imperfections in a burnished concrete floor, um, but it is becoming really popular. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is protecting the floor in the beginning. So we will, on a burnished concrete slab, no matter the build, we would like to be on it two weeks after it's been poured. We don't want anybody else near it because that way then we can get in there and we can do everything that we do to it, which will then hopefully protect it from any stains or anything happening to it. Yeah, make it more durable to then cope with the rest of construction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, now, um, the partial stone exposure, so that's where you're grinding the floor flat. Some stone will be exposed, but you're only taking off one to three millimetres of the top of the concrete. So it it's uh, it's really interesting because it, it obviously then does show a little bit of variation through the floor because not all the aggregate's sitting within that one to three millimetre zone and sometimes the aggregate is sitting in its full kind of, so you're getting actually a good cross-section of the aggregate and other times you might just get it, be getting the tip of it. So it's not possible necessarily with all floors, but how do you achieve this look if this is what you want? You know, what do people need to know if they're going to be able to get this hit and miss look with their floors? Biggest thing is to have the concrete installed flat. So what we're doing is without a laser level, it's never going to be perfectly flat and we accept that and that's fine. Um, but what we're going to do is go through and with a forehead grinder and grind it flat. So any high spots is where we see the aggregate, that's where we'll grind the three millimetre off and any low spots is where we'll see less aggregate because we've grind very little off. What we're essentially doing is just grinding through that crust, that very top crust, and then then what you see is what you see and what you don't. Um, so if this is the look that you're after, what you want to make sure is that the concrete is put in as flat as possible. Um, and then 
then we go from there. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I can imagine then you're obviously achieving a little bit more consistency overall and you also can have a much flatter floor in the end result as yeah. well. With this one, it's still hard though. Like sometimes we'll be on a job that they've specified for hit and miss, but we end up having 90% exposure because that's what we need to do to get the floor flat. And it, it's it's just what happens. We've, we've got to get the floor flat. Otherwise, the way to think about it is if, and people ask, well, why does it need to be flat? Well, if you look across a polished floor and it's not flat, it looks like an ocean. It does. You don't get that. You don't get that. Uh, the best way to think of it is if you go to Bunnings and you looked across the floor at a new Bunnings, it looks like a ripply ocean. And you don't want that when you've got especially a full or a partial stone exposure floor, you want that mirror look. Um, it's not always achievable with burnished concrete because, again, that's all um, going to happen on how flat the floor was installed in the first place. And because we're not removing anything, you may still get a bit of an ocean with that. But with partial stone exposure and full stone exposure, we will always grind the floor flat so you can get that mirror glass-like appearance. Yeah. And that so that full stone exposure, I think a lot of people, that's what they envisage when it comes to thinking about polished concrete. You know, it's very flat, very mirror-like. You've got a full stone exposure. You get that experience of seeing the aggregate right throughout. And you can take up as, you know, five to 10 millimetres off the floor, which is actually, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a huge amount of concrete, you know, in an actual um, kind of process. So, obviously the, the a lot of the information that you spoke about earlier about making sure that this is laid properly, that boot marks aren't there, that there's a proper troweling and all of those kinds of finish, the slow curing. Is there anything else that people need to specifically know about if they do want full stone exposure? The biggest thing is the builder needs to plan for it. So they'll often do step downs if you're doing carpet in bedrooms or step downs for tiles or step downs for doors that they're installing. So they need to allow that we're going to take five to 10 millimetres off the surface with those step downs. It's just about the final floor finish planning um, because a lot of these homes will use, will have the big open slide doors. And so they're obviously inset into the concrete. So it's a for that and we can work with the builders to make sure that we a little bit more off in those spots um but yeah it's it's a five floor finish height that needs to be planned for is that we're taking this amount of material off so if you have step downs you have to allow for it so jess can you just share with me how do people actually compare quotes because it's quite you know a red herring in terms of comparing apples with apples and understanding if the person who's doing your job can actually do polished concrete there's no certification in Australia for polished concrete. Anybody can go buy under grinder, go and do a hyperfloor course, and you're a polished concrete expert. And they're not. Um, and so you, people will say they're doing polished concrete, and people go, "All right, I'm getting polished concrete," and they think they are. They're getting a grind and seal. And so then they question me, "Oh, why is yours double the price of theirs?" And so they say, "Send me the quote, and I'm going to explain to you what it is that they quoted." And so then I explain the differences between the two. I do the pros and cons, and then people are informed. You know, like I've had people come to me that they're upset after the fact that you know they got a grind and seal, and that's not what they expected. And so that's why I created the I think it's the buyer's guide to polished concrete. Yeah. Um, because I wanted people to know what to ask for and know what they're expecting and, you know, push them if they just get a quote that says polished concrete, this many square metres, this price, get them to specify what it is, you know. Are they using a sealer? Are they not using a sealer? Just because then you don't get people upset and when people are upset, then it tarnishes the whole industry. So you've got all these people tarnishing it for all of those that are doing the right job. 
Yeah. So now I was mentioning before we renovated a 1960s home. It was partial kind of suspended timber floor with a garage underneath. And then there was a slab on ground that had cork and carpet over the top of it. And we pulled all of that off and then we had the slab ground back and sealed. And what we found or the feedback that we got at the time was because it was a 1960s slab, there was a lot more aggregate in it than they have in current concrete. And so it was, it was, it actually came up really well. It was a fantastic aggregate. And then we poured a external slab for the outdoor room and it had Brisbane river aggregate in the interior slab. And we just used a Brisbane river aggregate in the exterior um, outdoor room slab. And we put a honed finish on that. So you got this fantastic kind of consistent finish. How do you, if you're, you know, you're doing a renovation, and you've pulled up the carpet and you found that there's concrete underneath and you want to have a think about polishing it and getting that polished concrete finish how do you know like how do you you know how do you go about it I mean we took a gamble and did a small area and saw how it came up and then decided to sort of commit to it how how does kind of the average homeowner kind of go about this the older concrete is generally fantastic so the really old slabs, they put less additives in it. There's less fly ash, there's less chemicals, there's less things in it. So the really old slabs tend to come up beautiful. So if you have a really old home, you're probably in a good standing to get a good floor. Um, stuff that's sort of been done in, say, the last, the tw- last 20 or 30 years, it's, it's a bit hit and miss. Um, first thing is obviously to pull up your floor and make sure that there is concrete underneath it because before where there is no concrete there. Um to, ha- to know what it might look like, I quite often when I go and have a site inspection, I walk around the outside of the house and you can usually find a bit of the slab that's broken away or been cut into and has exposed a bit of the stone that's there. So every area is slightly different on what they may have. Uh, where we are specifically on the Central Coast, we can say with about 95% certainty that everybody's going to have black basalt. And that's mainly because it's mined locally. Uh, so it's our local cheap stone, so that's what everybody gets. But if you walk around your property, you can generally find part of that slab that's been a little bit exposed. So you'll get an idea of what the stone might be. Um, what I would say for these people is your best bet is probably going to be a grind and seal to get the best looking finish, um, whereas a diamond polish may not work in this situation. Um but most floors we can make look good. We just need to know what's underneath. We have been surprised where we pulled up tiles once and had pink concrete. <laughs> uh, nobody expected that. And so we stopped because we knew the client didn't want pink concrete floors. And so then they went and tiled over the top of them again. <laughs> oh, the Pandora's boxes of old homes. <laughs> exactly. We can fix most things, um, but... You know, most good contractors, once you've pulled up the floor, we can have an idea of what's going on underneath there and we'll tell you yay or nay on whether it's a good idea. Um, But the best thing for anybody to do is, you know, pull up your floor, take some photos and email them through to somebody locally because photos are king and that way that'll give us an idea first before we come out and do a site inspection and, you know, not waste anybody's time. So not get you excited about a floor that you may or not may not be able to have. If you send me a photo and I can have a look at it, I'll tell you nay, yay or nay pretty quickly. Yeah, and that advice of sort of looking around where you can see the concrete on edge is actually a really good tip because it will help you start to say, is this, you know, does this have a hope of having some decent aggregate in it and um, is it something What's that we the might- colour that you want? 
because it's there, we can't change it. And if you didn't want it to be black and gray and you've got black and gray, then maybe polished concrete isn't what you want. Yeah. Fantastic tips, Jess. I really encourage anybody to check out the Diagrind website because there's loads of resources there um, about concrete, different concrete finishes, what you need to know. A lot of the things that Jess has talked about, there's information on the website. So it's really, um, and you know, before we jumped on, Jess was saying she just tries to keep putting content on there that answers all the questions that she keeps getting from people about how to do this well in their projects. And I think when you're seeking a floor finish that is kind of, you can't, I mean, you can't fake it. You start with the the product that of the concrete, you know, being poured. That's what alter how that happens and how that gets finished is ultimately what determines the end product that you get. And so it's not like tiles where you can cover, you know, all multitude of sins or even timber where you can put that over the top of something. It's It's got to be right from the start. So I think it's really awesome to understand. And that it's permanent. A, and it's permanent. Yeah, very, very permanent. So to understand that from a planning point of view and to get the right information as early as possible. So now some of the stuff that I saw on your website about Terrazzo was really exciting because obviously that's been a product that, you know, was at use. We had a house in Brisbane that I think was built in the 1960s, I think, and it had a terrazzo floor in the bathroom that was this bright, vivid blue in the middle and then the white around the outside edge and had the matching blue bathroom fixtures. Now you're doing, and terrazzo is really, it's becoming more and more prevalent. When I was in the States, I saw a lot of it being used about a year ago. Um, and you're doing terrazzo as flooring. You're also doing it as bench tops, as fireplaces, other objects, and you're using a product that's called DM terrazzo, which doesn't have any resin or epoxy in it. Um, and it can replicate the same finish across different objects. So there's that consistency as well, which is obviously something that's always been a bit tricky with terrazzo. If someone wants to think about this for their floors or other objects in their home, what do they need to know about terrazzo and just like, you know, total dummies guide to how does terrazzo work and, you know, when do I need to think about it? Um, so we, this is thin set terrazzo. So there's traditional terrazzo or this is sort of thin set terrazzo. So there's quite a few different brands. We've called ours DM terrazzo because basically we're using a particular base and playing with it. So we can make all sorts of beautiful different things. Um, the biggest thing here is, um, tolerances to allow for tolerances so we will use this in projects that they want a specific look and they want a perfect floor and the building process isn't going to allow for that so we can install this once the project gets to a certain level and then polish it from there so it generally is between about 10 to 12 millimeters is the finished height um, we'll install it a little bit higher, obviously, so then we can grind it down and polish it. So we use it in places that need, uh, say they want that burnished concrete look, but they want a consistent colour. They don't want the patina. They don't want the, the different looks from the helicopter on it. They just want a straight grey floor. So we'll install this. And then we can either seal it or we can diamond polish it. Um, or if they want different patterns and things like that, then obviously this is something we can install after the fact because we have so much more control over it. Um, prep work. There is a fair bit of prep work that goes into it. The product that we use only installs over concrete. So we will make sure the floor underneath is in a good state that the terrazzo can bond to it. And so then we bond it using a few different processes so it, Basically, we're trying to get it to stay forever um, and then we will honour any construction joints so then the, the floor moves with what's on underneath it. Um, really, the thing that holds people back is their imagination. You can 
you can we can get anything in. We import stuff from America a lot. The the product most of our stuff comes from America because they're well and truly ahead when it comes to these sorts of things and we like to go over there and meet people all the time and we go to a particular conference called World of Concrete quite regularly which is fantastic (laughs) (laughs) and you know they just have everything over there so we we import a lot of products from over there so we can play with them um and you know just get different things and different looks and different colors you can really one of the biggest things with polished concrete is say you only want it in your living dining area but you're pouring all the slabs the mix that you do for this area is going to be the same mix for everywhere else. And you may be paying so much more to get the mix in this particular area that it might actually be cheaper for you to just put a topping in this particular area rather than paying, say, $600 a cube for your entire house where you only needed it for a smaller section. So that's where Terrazzo coming in might be more beneficial for you because then we're only putting in a particular mix in the area that you want it and you've just got the same structural slab. So builders need to allow for the heights, you know, the final floor finish, they need to allow for us to put a 10 to 12 mil topping on top. Um, Are you still sealing it the same way? But it's a lot way? of fun. Yes. Yeah. So with Terrazzo, you've got both options. We can do the grind and seal or we can diamond polish it. Um, the product we use goes incredibly hard. Uh, it's at 25 MPA within 24 hours. That was 25 MPA, was it? Yeah, within 24 hours. Wow. And gets up to 32, I think, within 48. It's all in PSI, but it it goes very hard, very fast. So, and its turnaround time is huge. So we install this product and we can walk on it three hours later. We can seal it. If we're we're just sealing it, we can seal it six hours after we've poured it or we polish it 24 hours after we've poured it. So for a timing thing, this is one of the best products because obviously, you know, we use it in retail situations where you've got to have fast turnaround. Um, And it's actually quite eco-friendly. Its lead score is quite good. Um, and it allows for that fast turnaround because obviously in the retail sector, time is money. So we get in there, we can get a floor installed and out, you know, in a very short period of time because it makes sense when, whether we're in a home or where we're in a shop, when we're doing the floor, no one else is working because you can't walk on our floors. Yeah. No, that sounds really exciting and huge flexibility with colours and those types of things as well, I imagine. It is, yeah. So like with the cement base, which is what we use, you can't get as much vibrancy as you can with the resin based um, because they, they they can just look like paint basically. Um, but again, it's all around that, you know, I discussed earlier about the environmental issues and our not wanting to work with the epoxy resin based systems is just because that's more our personal preference. We prefer, we're going more the traditional route just because it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, we, we called it DM Terrazzo because it's design manipulated. And really it's all about how do you want to make your floor work in with the aesthetic appeal of your home? You know, if you've got a particular color palette in mind and how you want to do things, you can really, design this to work in with what you want 
you know, as, as part of our process when we're doing a terrazzo floor is we'll make a whole heap of different samples. So we'll get different aggregates, you know, based on what we've got and what we've discussed and make up a few different mixes and finish it a few different ways. So then you can physically see what it is that you're getting. Um, it's not just, you're not a guessing game. There's a lot less artifacts that occur because it's all it's all made and poured on site and particularly if you're doing stair plate stairs and things like that we can pour each piece and stick it in so it all fits in seamlessly which is a much better way to go yeah that sounds so exciting and it is that thing of exciting (laughs) oh just that thing of understanding if you do want to polish concrete floor like you are paying for that concrete for your entire you know slab or you're paying for the additional cost of having separate pores and the separate forms and all those kinds of things and you know it's um it's that's often what kills people's budget when it comes to polished concrete whereas this is such a huge opportunity to you know, get the same, even a better, you know, kind of finish and impact and um, have a more, you know, that ability to really tailor and control the outcome, I can imagine. Exactly. Because people will also ask us, well, can't they just put a concrete topping slab on top of their structural slab? Well, yes, you can, but it's got to be quite thick. At an absolute minimum, we want 50 mil. If not, we want more. And because that, you know, you need to put steel in it. You you know, we're going to grow to 10 mil out of it which is going to make it thinner you know otherwise it's just going to crack and fall apart we want quite a thick topping slab so to do that you end up it it becomes a nightmare so most builders will say no they're not going to do that because that's just not going to work whereas this goes in at 12 mil that's that's quite easy to work with because you know most tiles and most other flooring you're going to put in well and truly works within that tolerance so it's not a complicated thing to change for a builder yeah, no, that's really exciting. Now, and but, you can put it in existing homes. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Well, that would be amazing because obviously, with it being that, you know, it is that thing of thinking about it um, being similar to tiles or you know other types of flooring. If that's what you're pulling off, then you've got the opportunity to work with that depth and create a completely different look as well. Now, lastly, you've mentioned loads of mistakes and things to be aware of. Is there anything kind of key that you want to finish up on in terms of what homeowners need to remember about having a concrete or terrazzo, you know, in terms of a finished floor in their home? Biggest thing is to just ask questions. If you're not sure about something, please ask. Um, the The biggest susceptibility to polished concrete floors is acid. So just remove all acid. But there's things that you don't realise acid. So milk is quite acidic. Coca-Cola is quite acidic. Vinegar is extremely acidic. So if you used to clean using vinegar and bicarb soda, you can't do that to clean any polished concrete floors anymore. You really need to use your pH neutral type things or or person who installs your concrete, what they recommend because every different sealer has a different recommended cleaner. Like they all, even though all of them are quite similar, there's ones that work better than others. So it's it's just communicate, ask the questions. At the end of the day, most of us contractors don't get upset if you ask 10,000 questions as long as you're not asking the same question 10,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the other reason that con- uh, that contractors get upset is when they get asked the question and their advice gets completely ignored and then they have them co- people come back to them and complain about <laughs> the fact that they didn't listen to the answer. 
<laughs> that's, that's the other reason people get upset. But yeah, I love yes. that. It's, I mean, asking, I see homeowners get really nervous, get really worried that they're going to look silly or foolish or that it's something that they should know. But, it, you know, like... Just send it in an email. <laughs> in an email, you're safe. If you feel scared asking in person or on the phone, just send an email because then we can... Like, you may send a stupid question and I'll read it and go, that's a stupid question. But I'm not going to write back to you and say, that's a stupid question. I'm going to say, thanks for asking that. This is the answer. Even though I might be giggling to myself, that's a really stupid question. I'm not going to say that to you. <laughs> I <laughs> and that's the thing. I think when you're in the industry, you forget how little people know about what you do because you're breathing, sleeping, eating, kind of doing it every single day. So, and, uh, and, and, and I've had 10 people ask that question this week. So you're not the first. Yeah. There's really you're going to ask me a question I haven't been asked before. Yeah, like the homeowner who asked if they could change the aggregate in their existing 30-year-old slab. So <laughs> I ask that a lot. <laughs> oh, I love it. Jess, it's been so great to talk to you. You are very, very, very clever and experienced and knowledgeable about this stuff. And I will put all of the links to Finding Diagrind in the resources because, as I said, there's loads on the website. It's uh, when I was looking for somebody to speak to about concrete floors, you're, like it was just a standout in terms of the information and the education that you're providing. And I love finding like-minded uh, professionals in the industry who really just want to educate people how to get the best results from the products that they're using and feel empowered to have conversations about it, You know, understand a bit more about the terminology, be able to speak and communicate clearly about what they're seeking to achieve. And I think that you're doing a brilliant job in terms of making this happen for, for people to understand more about what you do. So thank you so much for your time and for the little person who's managed to fall asleep on the bed behind behind you I thank her too <laughs> and I yeah I really appreciate your generosity Jess before thank you I do hope that you enjoyed my chat with Jess about concrete flooring as a flooring choice for you concrete can be amazing but as we said it's permanent if you stuff it up it's a really long-term headache so knowing how to get it right is actually key to making it look great and perform as a super as a super durable and low maintenance floor for your home and you don't want to go ahead with making that big investment in the polished concrete finish only to not get the finish that you actually want and were seeking so in the resources I've got links to find Jess and Diagrind as well as some of the great content that they've created to help you uh, with getting a great result in your polished concrete floor. So you can also check out the DM Terrazzo product that Jess discussed as well. I'm really excited about that and I can see that being a really fantastic and flexible option for people who might be wanting that polished concrete look and feel but don't necessarily want to have it throughout their entire house and want to look at concentrating in its specific areas. Now if you found this interview helpful please be sure to get in touch with Jess and let her know. I know that she would appreciate hearing from you. Now, as you can imagine, there was lots more that we discussed and it had to be edited out of this podcast interview. But our full conversation is now included inside Interior Design 101. And inside Interior Design 101, Jess and I talk a lot more in detail about some of the key things to know if you're planning a concrete floor. We talk about slip resistance. We talk about what needs to be done if you want to do polished concrete in your bathrooms and your other wet areas because there's specific ways that you have to achieve that in order to still meet building codes and Jess also shares some great information on how trades need to be managed 
managing dust during polishing concrete on site and what you should really know about sealing your polished concrete floor and its maintenance long term. And we talk about how to minimise cracking plus why you may want to steer clear of epoxy as a finish or a sealant. Now, in the resources, you'll learn more about Interior Design 101. It's a self-study program that will really help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. In the next podcast episode, Francis and I are back and we're going to be talking about carpet. So that's another great flooring choice, but it's an industry that's littered with terminology and some key insider information can be really critical to enabling you to make good choices. So be sure to join us for that episode. As always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.